This is Report to Wyoming. This show targets local issues that matter right here in Natrona County, where I talk to real people about their thoughts and ideas. My guest today is Pete Obermuller. He's the CEO and president of the Petroleum Association of Wyoming, also known as PAW. He's a Casper boy who graduated from Natrona County High School. After serving as an aide to former United States Representatives Barbara Cuban and Cynthia Lemus, he moved back to Wyoming in 2013 and worked at the head of the Wyoming County Commissioners Association before taking the helm at PAW in 2019. So how have things changed or not changed since you've been there that handful of years? Uh, It's been a wild ride. Um, So I took over in 2019, and um, uh, the folks who hired me kind of sold me a little bit of a bill of goods, saying that uh, not not much has happened in Wyoming on uh, oil and gas, so it won't be that hard. But turned out 2019 was one of the busiest years in terms of changes in state policy related to oil and gas, mostly about um, uh, how the rules around how companies can um, lease on on private lands and how they can, uh, you know, basically work together to make sure that the product uh, can get produced in a a, uh, cooperative way, essentially. That was a major change. Uh, And then... um, after 2019, of course, was uh, 2020, and, um, and in July of 2020, uh, related to the you know, government-imposed shutdowns from the pandemic, um, the oil and gas industry uh, suffered mightily. We, Wyoming, for the first time in its history, laid down um, every single one of its rigs. We had zero rigs running in Wyoming in July of 2020. It's the first time that had happened since Wyoming was a state. Uh, And that um, experience and then the experience of demand coming back really fast um, has has created a wild ride really for the next two and a half to three years. Um, I think kind of now over the past uh, you know, nine to, to 12 months has been a little bit more normal, but normal is relative when you're talking about the volatility of, of oil and gas. And so it's coming back, but do you still see a lot of challenges, I guess, trying to perpetuate the industry that's such a big part of our economy in Wyoming? Yeah, there are, there are quite a few challenges. I think uh, most notably, is how much of Wyoming is owned by the federal government. Uh, So most people realize, of course, that about half of Wyoming's surface is owned by the federal government. Uh, But about um, about 72, 73% of Wyoming's subsurface is owned by the federal government. So there's not really, there's very few oil or gas wells in the state that do not touch federal owned land or minerals in some way. And so the federal government just has an enormous um, uh, influence. um, Well, I mean, more than influence. I mean, they have control over uh, a huge portion of Wyoming's energy resources. And uh, that, that that's a challenge, even in the best of times, it, it slows things down significantly. Uh, and in the current climate, where the you know, the current administration has made it very, very clear over and over again that they want to end fossil fuel production on federal lands. Um, that open hostility is uh, certainly a challenge for us. Yeah, and I just wonder, 
if the demand is still there, dare I say the need, does that just mean that we're going to be outsourcing more oil and gas? Yeah, it's a great question. And, uh, you know, I hope not. Um, I, I think uh, the demand part, which which you're uh, astute to point out, is is really a big driver. And in fact, I was just looking at, at latest research today about uh, global energy demand, you know, pushing out significantly into you know twenty, thirty, forty, and fifty, uh, even in some of the most um, uh, some of some of the estimates about how fast a renewable transition might take place. There's still an enormous global demand uh, for the product. So it, it is it's you've identified really what's most frustrating to me is that you could stop all oil and gas drilling in Wyoming, just shut it all down. And it won't make a difference in terms of what the, what the demand is or what the supply is to meet that demand. It'll just come from elsewhere. That can be from places like North Dakota or Texas where it's private lands, but it will also have to be from, from foreign and sometimes hostile countries. And then I wonder, does that drive the price up? Oh, sorry. Um, yes and no. So Wyoming is the eighth largest producer of oil in in the United States, um, but that is you know significantly smaller than uh, Texas, New Mexico, North Dakota, Louisiana, even California, if you can believe it. Uh, uh, so Wyoming is a Wyoming is a global player, uh, but we're a small player, and um, the price of oil is really driven by the entire world's supply and demand. So, uh, you you'll think OPEC, all those you know those Middle Eastern uh, nations, Russia, Iran, uh, you know, and then big producers like um, Texas and New Mexico and North Dakota. So, I guess advocating for oil and gas. Uh more leases and more drilling in Wyoming. Would it be, I guess, your number one warrant for the argument would be jobs for Wyoming people? Oh, oh absolutely. I, I, I don't know. I don't know if I would say it's number one. I think it's kind of number one for me personally. Uh, it's, it's one of the big reasons why I, I took the job because uh, I'm a Wyoming kid. I grew up in Casper um, and uh, you know, the oil and gas industry employs, uh, you know, fluctuates, obviously, given the boom and bust cycle. But right now, you know, it's it's employing directly uh, about 19,000, uh, approaching 20,000 people in Wyoming. It, it, it supports families, it supports communities, and uh, and that part's really important to me. Uh, and, you know, so so for me personally, that's, that's a big part. You know, there are other things, you know, just... Uh, in terms of, of supporting other things that happened in Wyoming just last year, 2022, the oil and gas industry provided $2.72 billion in tax revenue um, at the state of Wyoming. And that is uh, an enormous amount. Um, it basically equates to, if you were to take that away and get the same level of revenue from all of Wyoming's residents, you'd have to add about $4,600 of taxes to every single man, woman, and child in Wyoming to, to make up for that loss. So it's, uh, 
uh, it's pretty big in terms of keeping taxes low and still providing for good roads and infrastructure and, and schools and, and all of that. Um, so, so there's all of that too. Um, not to mention just uh, you know the energy security of uh, of producing oil and gas in Wyoming and in, in the United States as opposed to elsewhere. Yeah, definitely in my hometown over in Big Piney, Wyoming. I lived kind of nearby the Jonah Field. It's a boom and bust place. So when I was right. a kid growing up, it was um, booming, as we say. All the kids had, we got our instruments for band paid for. Every All the uniforms were new. You, it, was, it was something visible, yeah. I guess you could see. So I wonder during kind of that bust, going back home from college in my hometown, just kind of seeing how it's become such a like ghost town it's a lot of like the ranchers and um there are a few other people there but it's nothing like it was and that's the nature of it but statewide after that pandemic what kind of visual things were were like you able to really see from the industry just sort of collapsing yeah well i think i mean you've you've identified some of it though i'd say you know the, the, the issue of of people migrating away from small towns like Big Piney is is not uh, there's not one single explanation for that I don't think uh, but to your point it, it was really quite stark in the immediate aftermath of of 2020 uh, and, and the, the demand destruction from that and just in terms of people moving away and um, and that impacted the number of kids in schools and 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 all of that so people would go if if you are skilled and uh, you know, in, in, in the various uh, things that need to happen in oil fields, and there's there's quite a lot. It's it's a complicated um, marvel, really. But you go find where the rigs are operating, and we went down to zero. So um, uh, so that 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 created that helped to create a bit of an out migration that was uh, uh, you know really challenging for a time. Now again, that it, it was slower for us than other places, but that has ramped back up again. Uh, thankfully, so you know it's um, in, in your neck of the woods. It's interesting because um, uh, at least at the outset of the Jonah Field and the Pine Delana Cline, um, the, the the price of gas was such that uh, there were you know, many rigs running and, and, and a lot of revenue flowing into Silver County. Um, the price of gas spiked significantly last year, but is down to kind of almost pre-pandemic levels now. So there's just, there, we, we produce so much gas, we're almost a victim of our own success um, that mm-hmm. it's, uh, we can, we, we produce a lot and uh, the supply is, is there and the demand is there to a certain degree, but there's just the supply is over um, overcompensating. It's such an enormous network of other industries too that are affected by the highs and lows, mm-hmm. um, which, I guess that kind of will be a good segue into what I originally wanted to talk about. Um, Governor Gordon's put in a tremendous amount of effort to what he's saying is diversify the economy. Um, And so there's been a big push for carbon capture. I think they're calling it something different now. Um, How are you, can you explain, how is the Petroleum Association of Wyoming Gonna, I guess, would the word be help support carbon capture or work with that industry? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, I mean, Governor Gordon 
joins a long line of governors going back many, many, many decades who have talked about diversifying the economy. Uh, and, you know, it's, it's interesting, in, you know, while it's a topic for another podcast, but, but you know, they're, under the previous governor, there was a pretty big study done on how to diversify the, uh, you know, what would you need to do to diversify the economy in Wyoming? And, uh, and, and the evidence was pretty clear that, uh, in terms of, of, of revenue benefit to the state of Wyoming, only the natural resource industry, oil, gas, coal, um, uranium, those sorts of things. Those are the only industries that actually, when you when you bring jobs and new projects to the state, those are the ones that create revenue and uh, and economic development. Anything else, because of the nature of our tax code, uh, uh, actually costs Wyoming money. So uh, economic development is difficult in that way, uh, and it's really heavily reliant on on the extractive industries to do that. So. To your question about about uh, carbon capture and, and the way we talk about it uh, is carbon management uh, because Wyoming has been doing you know carbon capture sort of the you know new way of thinking of, of talking about it and people who are just sort of just now realizing that you can do that Wyoming's been doing it for decades uh, and and uh, Wyoming already has close to where you uh, in your neck of the woods, Wyoming already has the largest carbon capture and sequestration facility in the world. We've been, Wyoming has been capturing and storing carbon uh, in Sublet County uh, since, you know, for 40 years and, and makes up a full 25% of the entire globe's carbon capture currently. Uh, so there's that. And then also, in, in Wyoming's oil fields all across the state, you you can, you know, you initially drill a well, you can produce quite a lot, but then that production starts to taper off because the pressure reduces and all that kind of stuff. And one way to get more oil out of the ground um, is, uh, one way to, to do that is to inject those legacy fields with carbon. And that helps to force out more of the of the oil for, for use. It's called enhanced oil recovery. Uh, so you get more oil out of the ground you, when you inject carbon, but that's also carbon storage. Uh, it's it's capturing the carbon. That's why we call it carbon management because it's not just uh, it's not just capturing it and storing it for uh, permanently. So um, we launched uh, the Petroleum Association launched this uh, new group called the Wyoming Carbon Innovation Network, or we just call it the network. Uh, and the idea is uh, all this talk and, you know, from, from politicians and, and others about, you know, carbon capture and all this stuff, we, we realized we needed, uh, we needed a mechanism for those of us in private industry who are working on these projects and have been working on them for a long time because they helped to bolster the oil and gas industry and others help to provide jobs and revenue that we needed a mechanism to come together and sort of uh, be a part of that discussion about how does that work? How does that help oil and gas? How does that help bring jobs to Wyoming and economic development to Wyoming? It's not just a political hot, hot potato to, to throw around at each other. It's a, it's an economic development tool for Wyoming and one that actually brings revenue and jobs. Nice. And then, as far as putting the carbon into the ground, what's the advantage? Is it just storage? 
Yeah. So, I mean, the, 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 the drive, the current driver behind it, I'm sure, you know, is, is that, um, is the, the idea of trying to reduce our carbon emissions, uh, you know, as a mechanism to try to control, uh, uh, you know, the warming climate. So, that's what's driving a lot of the of the governmental policies around it, and that's sort of where the where the contentious debates happen. Is is that necessary? Should we even be doing it? Et cetera, et cetera. Um, but for us, that's kind of that's a little bit secondary um, because it's all we've been already been doing it for EO enhanced oil recovery and, and and the other projects over there in, in Suffolk County that Exxon Mobil does, and. Uh, so, but but that's sort of the driver behind the policies. So here's one of those policies that's really driving a lot of this activity in Wyoming is the federal government has said, uh, hey, if you can capture carbon and you can permanently store it, we'll give you a pretty sizable tax credit for that. Uh, it's called uh, it's called a 45Q tax credit. It's just named after the part of the federal code, um, 45Q. But they'll give you they'll, the federal government will give you a tax credit for doing that. They have also said, um, we'll give you a credit. Uh, it's a smaller credit, $25 less per ton of carbon, but they'll give you a credit if you capture carbon and use it for enhanced oil recovery too. So those two things from the federal government side uh, ha- are, are driving a lot of the activity in Wyoming uh, because it's made it a little bit more economic. But Wyoming is on the forefront even beyond that because Wyoming has has two additional, three additional things going for it. One, we have great geology for storing carbon. Uh, we just have the right rock formations that make it work, so, particularly in southwest Wyoming. It's it's uh, it's just the right it's the right formations that make storing carbon work. Second, we have uh, what's called primacy with the EPA. What does that mean? The EPA is the uh, Environmental Protection Agency is the one that regulates carbon capture and all of that, uh, but and the permitting of that. But only Wyoming and North Dakota are in this situation where the EPA has given uh, the authority to uh, uh, to do the permitting for carbon capture on their behalf. Uh, Wyoming has that authority. North Dakota has that authority. Nobody else does. And let me tell you, working with state agencies is a thousand times better than working with it with federal agencies so uh so that structure is really driving people here too and then third because we're a, 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 an oil and gas state we have the we have the workforce we have the people who know how to do this stuff and do it every day and do it well and uh so we we just we have these things kind of going for us in wyoming that's really driving investment and jobs to here first uh and so we're way we're kind of way out ahead of the, of the rest of the country uh, on these projects, and uh, and that's exciting for Wyoming in terms of its uh, again in terms of its economic development and, and job creation. Yeah. So, do you foresee that with more investment in carbon, it's going to work in tandem with the Petroleum Association, so that both industries thrive? Absolutely, absolutely, and it already is. That, that, that's precisely the point. I mean, so if. You know, because because everything kind of gets lost in these heated debates. Sometimes we we, we sort of forget that um, Wyoming is uh, Wyoming is a huge exporter of energy. Um, you know, if you think about coal, oil, gas, we just we don't have the population 
to uh, if all we were doing was producing that to support Wyoming's energy needs, uh, we wouldn't have an industry because we just we don't actually demand and use that much in Wyoming. We're just too small, so we we export uh, we export so much of it, and particularly when it comes to gas uh, from the producers over in your neck of the woods. Just the way the transmission works, the pipelines work, is all of that gas needs to go to population centers in the west, west of us. Um, so think California uh, and Las Vegas and those places. So those are the those are Wyoming's customers, Wyoming's company's customers, and the customers are demanding uh, uh, sources of of energy that have a lower carbon intensity. And we are already best in class there. We, we, we are better than anyone else at, at, at producing molecules with low carbon intensity. But to the extent that carbon management practices help to reduce that intensity even more, then our customers are happy and our customers are buying our resources. And buying our resources is what provides the jobs and the economic development and the revenue to the state and local governments, et cetera, et cetera. So it's... It, there's a lot going on here in terms of government policies and just general perception and customer demand. But at the end of the day, we've got to, if we're going to stay at the forefront, continue to be the eighth largest producer, we've got to meet our customer demands. And, uh, and that's what we're attempting to do. And so they really, they, they already do work in tandem. And as we get better and better at it, uh, we're going to be able to, to, uh, you know, perhaps charge a premium and, 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 and you know, get our product to markets so that's going to use it and buy it. I wonder, are there other incentives for the industry, the oil and gas industry, to um, maybe reduce the harmful effects of climate change, whether that's just um, working with environmentalists or anything else that would give you guys the tax credit you were talking about? So, yeah, I mean, there's there, there's a lot of different ones, and um, they, they kind of run the gamut. You know, most of it is most of it is federally. Uh, funded, and I know that comes with some uh, some angst. People ask me all the time, well, "Where does the federal government get the money for this?" And that's a fair question from just a fiscal conservative uh, uh, standpoint. Um, but so the you know the Inflation Reduction Act and the infra- Infrastructure Bill and all those have billions of dollars in various um, not just tax credits for carbon management, but also for developing new technologies. Um, and uh, you know uh, those sorts of things that can help uh, reduce the carbon intensity, uh, you know, of, of oil and gas production. So, uh, and, and you know, we've already been on a on a downward trajectory of that for many many years. The United States has been doing pretty well relative to other countries like China and India and that sort of thing on 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 carbon reduction. But there's so there's a lot of those, and Wyoming is a is a player in that in, in, in the use of um, uh, you know some matching grant funds through the Wyoming Energy Authority uh, and, and all of that. But um, uh, but right now it's really the in terms of carbon management, it's that 45Q credit I mentioned earlier that's that's really driving a lot of, of investment. Now outside of just carbon management and the carbon footprint. Um, you get pushback from people talking about even things like uh, drilling rigs being an eyesore or the damage that it can do to um, water, um, all of that. So in a just like in a brief nutshell, 
How has the industry made changes to kind of address any of that? Oh man, uh, significant over uh, a period of time. And we're constantly getting better at, at that sort of thing. So just in terms of the, the visual impact, first of all, uh, the amount of time that it takes to drill a well and then reclaim it has reduced and reduced and reduced. So you can, these, these, these wells now that drill, that can drill, you know, 10,000 feet below ground and then turn and go two miles horizontally uh, and, and produce just an enormous amount of, of, of oil. Um, th- those can be up and down in, in 30 days, 60 days, and then you start to reclaim that around it down to just the pump jack and some of the storage facilities and that sort of thing. So if you think about one of the things we often hear is, uh, you know, that, that on, on United States federal lands, Bureau of Land Management lands, that oil and gas kind of has an outsized impact. Uh, but it, it, the, the, the numbers just don't back that. About 4% of, of BLM lands west-wide is, uh, has uh, oil and gas leases. And uh, of that 4%, uh, the, the actual on-the-ground impact is at most about 20% of that part. So it's really, in terms of the public land space, it's really very, very small and getting smaller all the time because we can drill. You were talking about the Jonah field, you know, when you were growing up, that's when the technology was just vertical drilling, just straight down. And so in order to access the resource, you had to drill a lot of those, lots of land impact. Uh, Had the Jonah field been done today, it would have been a fraction of that impact because so many wells can be drilled from one pad instead of multiple pads. Uh, so that, that, that's a big, that's an important one to me. I'm a Wyoming kid, like I said, so I like the open spaces. I like uh, uh, you know hunting and fishing and all that stuff and the access to public lands. And so that one's been really, really good. I could go on and on about the rest of it. I mean, you mentioned water. Um, one thing that uh, has really come a long, long way is the ability to recycle water. And uh, you know, you, when you drill for oil and gas, you end up also producing uh, producing water. You just you get water that you weren't intending to get, but it's and it's not drinking water. It's well below that. It's uh, you know it's brine and that sort of stuff. But we've gotten really good at at recycling that in pro in projects so that you're not uh, you don't have to use. Uh, um, you know, new sources of water for that. So, um, uh, uh, you know, the, the story of other types of emissions, ozone emissions and that sort of stuff in the Green River Basin where you are uh, is really quite remarkable in terms of what they've done to, to, to reduce that. That's why I say that we're already way ahead of the game, particularly in western Wyoming on, um, uh, on, on producing the most sustainable molecule. Yeah, that's very helpful. That was a big question, and it's just so hard trying to wrap my mind around um, the cultural perception of petroleum outside of Wyoming and how people like you are grappling with that. Yeah, it's, uh, it is it is a challenge, and, uh, you know, there are some that will never convince. Um, you know, there, are, of course, are folks who uh, just think it should be kept in the ground, period. And um, there's no moving them off of that. Uh, and then, I, 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 you know, I think that those folks, uh, they, they may be a, a slightly growing portion, but they're kind of on the edges of the bell curve. You know, I think in the, in the sort of meaty middle of the bell curve, most people 
uh, if they're concerned about oil and gas, are um, are open to understanding how it works and how how much uh, the industry has moved and, and improved over time and continues to. It's really you know most of the drivers of technology that have helped to to reduce impact and emissions, including in carbon management. Uh, as part, you know, part of carbon management, I should say, is not every company is going to do carbon capture and sequestration. Wyoming has hundreds of small oil and gas operators. I mean, really small, a mom and pop with you know, with five wells or that kind of thing. They're not going to do carbon capture, uh, but for them, carbon management is making sure that they can uh, have the, the the technical assistance and financial means to capture fugitive emissions emissions you know that are uh you know leaking from a storage tank or whatever um, that we have the best available technologies to 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 manage that uh, and that will help them you know, stay in business longer as well so it's going to be it's going to come the those those advancements are going to come from our from internally from our uh, industry not from uh, not really from other sources. So uh, any any movement in the direction has to include us or it's not going to be really that, that successful. At the forefront of carbon management, I wonder if other states are even looking to Wyoming and, and just kind of go, sitting back and going, hmm, let's see how this experiment plays out. But it sounds like you're feeling pretty optimistic about it. I wonder if other states would be ready to adopt it in the future. Well, they already are. It's just that they don't um, uh, they don't have the statutory and regulatory structure that we do. So they're chasing us. Other states are looking to Wyoming and trying to adopt. And we've, we've had state law that has uh, sort of defined, uh, you know, like, like here, here's something most people don't think about. If you if um, if I wanted to go uh, capture some carbon and inject it underground to store it. Um, you know, the carbon is going into pockets of air, essentially, um, deep underground in between the rocks. I mean, these are microscopic, you know, uh, but that's that those pockets are called it's called pore space. Who who owns that pore space? Um, we, get to, we usually think about you own like this, you own this land or maybe you own the coal underneath them. You were talking about owning a thing. But now we're talking about who owns the actual space. Wyoming has actually had that defined for a decade, way before anybody else. And other states like Texas are having a really hard time um, defining that, and uh, and so looking to Wyoming for some for leadership on how you how you do that. Why why is that important? Well, if I'm going to come to your private land and ask you if I can store carbon in your pore space that you own, then I'm going to owe you money for that. We're going to have to negotiate that. Uh, and, and so it's sort of those sort of technical things uh, that Wyoming's you know, sort of out, out front already. And other states are, uh, they're all in too. They're just behind. Uh, and that, that, that's why kind of all eyes are on Wyoming and, and, and North Dakota, to be fair, on, on, this, on these things. Well, it sounds like the network could be a lucrative investment for people. Um, can anyone invest? It's uh, yeah. So it's um, it, it's a it's a branch of PAW in the sense that uh, obviously me and, and my staff are uh, are staffing it. So it's kind of like a trade 
trade association and it's really for anybody in carbon management so we have some oil and gas companies that are already doing those projects like ExxonMobil or, or Denbury or other companies like one called Contango and those uh, but we also have uh, other people who aren't otherwise doing oil and gas um, uh, companies that are just about doing carbon injection we've had conversations with mining interests and and others um, uh, you know, Wyoming has several sources of carbon that you, know, you think like coal-fired power plants, um, the Trona mines down in southwest Wyoming, uh, other other sources of carbon that um, uh, you know that that also are interested in carbon management. So it's really for anyone who's who's interested in doing any work in that space, uh, and, uh, and and folks can join it, and uh, we. It's really, it, it really has four four goals. If you don't mind me just outlining them real briefly, there. Oh, absolutely. Um, uh, the, the four goals, you know, kind of the first one is sort of advocacy. Um, the first two are kind of related. It's sort of advocacy at the state legislature and the federal government for uh, policies that can help um, uh, just remove hurdles to doing these sorts of projects. And then related to that is the second goal of of, of leveraging our expertise to work with agencies to develop, you know, regulatory frameworks that make sense. Uh, it was relatively new for, for a lot of them. And then third is recognizing that issue that uh, I mentioned before, that there's a lot of folks aren't going to do carbon capture or sequestration or utilization or any of that kind of stuff. They just need, they're in this, this new regulatory climate where they need to manage their carbon and need help doing that. And we want to bring people together to help provide their sort of best practices in that regard. And then finally, we just, we want to, uh, uh, you know, we want people to know that Wyoming is open for business and it really is business. Uh, and and uh, so we want to be kind of a clearinghouse for folks outside of Wyoming or in Wyoming who are looking to get into carbon management as a money-making venture uh, that we're available to sort of as, uh, uh, to network and to uh, best practices and, 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 and a little bit of access and that sort of thing. Uh, so those are uh, those are our primary four primary goals and uh, and yeah, pretty excited about. It. This has been Report to Wyoming, presented in the public interest by Town Square Media.